So here's the question. How do active people in the Atlanta area stay pain-free and live the active, fulfilled life that they deserve at any age? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Danny Matei, and welcome to the Active Atlanta Podcast. The Active Atlanta Podcast is sponsored by Athletes Potential. At Athletes Potential, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active doing the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better for life. Head to athletespotential.com to learn how we can help you stay active for life today. What's going on, guys? Doc Danny here with the Active Atlanta Podcast. And today, we get to do a case study with one of my favorite clients that I've had a chance to work with in the past few years, Ken Rose. Ken is a uh, professional who works for an organization here in Atlanta. He's a parent. He's got three kids. He's an avid cyclist. He's a soccer ref. You probably yelled at him if you uh, have a kid in inner Atlanta. Uh, an active uh, individual that I think it would be great to highlight what he's doing kind of learn from him and how he, he fits all together. So Ken, thanks for your time today. That's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, let's, let's start with this. Why don't you um, give everybody a little bit of an idea of, um, you know, what, what your hobbies are, what you like to do, what drives you to really, um, you know, stay active and in good, healthy shape so you can participate in those. Well, I mean, I think the first thing is, is that I learned uh, a long time ago that being physically active really is, uh, it's a miracle drug. I mean, it makes me feel better every day. Yeah. You know, data is there. It makes you sleep better. It makes you uh, think better. Um, and so I, I realized that if I don't integrate physical activity into my daily life, I'm just not going to feel good. Yeah. Um, so you know, uh, I look for ways to do it and I look for ways to do it that help me, um, you know, help me integrate it into what I'm going to do anyway. So for example, I ride my bike to work and if I do that, uh, I'm going to get an hour of physical activity a day. And so, um, you know, the things I like to do, I, I like to ride my bike. Um, I like to, uh, referee when I can, uh, I, like to play soccer uh, when I can. I don't uh, play as much as I used to, but um, I still get out there and play with the kids and so forth. And, uh, you know, I, I like to do um, more, more recently, I've gotten into a lot of, of the functional fitness stuff that you guys uh, preach. And uh, that's really been a game changer for me in terms of just being able to, uh, you know, get out there and do it. You know, I think that uh, in the, I don't even know how many people I've worked with, thousands of people we've worked with, there's, there's sort of two buckets that people fall into. One is uh, flexible and weak, sort of, uh, they really need to work on strength and control. The other person is um, strong and kind of uh, springy and tight. And uh, you definitely fall into the second category. <laughs> you're, you're, you're definitely on uh, the, the, we'll call it springier side, which can be great whenever you're younger and you're, you know, you're, you're moving quickly, you're changing direction quickly, you're fast, you can use it to your advantage. But as we get older, it gets harder and harder to get off the ground with a lack of mobility, you know? And I think that's one thing for you that has been interesting to see as you've added that in 
uh, which is a variable that I think wasn't really there too much whenever we first started. How have you felt since you've had some continual sort of um, a continued cadence of mobility work uh, on a regular basis for how your body feels on a day-to-day basis? Well, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's actually, I've been working uh, with you guys so long now, it's kind of hard to remember how much pain I was in when I walked in the door. Um, I, I, re- I remember actually, I don't even know how I stumbled on the practice, but I remember reading stuff on the web and going, well, that just can't be true. Like, that's just impossible. I've been doing physical therapy for 10 years you know, I, I ride a bike a lot, so there's a lot of things that are associated with riding a bike that that uh, were hurting yeah. um, on a regular basis. And I will say, fast forward to now, I have just a much more incredible sense of my body. Like, I know when I get up in the morning, you know, if something's out of balance. And now I know how to manage that imbalance in a way that uh, – you know, I can be pain-free, completely pain-free, and do things that I just didn't think would be possible. Like, I thought I was going to walk around, you know, I'd ride my bike, I'd walk around the next 10 years, 15 years of my life with just chronic shoulder pain. And I I just accepted it. And I think that the thing that the practice has done for me is made me realize that I just don't have to accept pain. I mean, it takes work. You know, you have to right. you have to put the time in, but uh, it's amazing. I mean, I, I uh, it's amazing. Well, I I think to your point, uh, it's so common for us to hear people are just like it's just the way it is, right? Like this this um idea of just acceptance and I'm just getting older. I'm you know. I'm not. It's, and 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 it's true. You we are all getting older, and and I guess technically we're all just slowly decaying right it's just at, at at what stage can we slow it down to where we can enjoy the people around us and the things we like to do for as long as humanly possible right and what you said i think is so important it it takes work and it also takes an understanding of yourself which doesn't happen overnight and it, it really comes from self-education trial and error application and then you start to understand really how to how to take care of yourself, right? And I think for you with cycling in particular, we know cyclists are notorious for being just in bad positions, very unnatural positions. Like in in the world, name another animal human position that's that's normal that looks like a cyclist. You know, when they're in their drop bars, like it's so weird. Their neck is tipped back, their back is rounded, their hips are flexed, and they never extend. So they're in this super compact tight position and things get really tight, like your upper back and your hips get tight, your ankles get tight and your neck gets uh, very, very limited as well. So, you know, it's been interesting for you to watch you still be able to participate in that sport. I know you had a really cool mountain bike trip out to Utah. Like how has your performance in uh, the, the activities you like with cycling? How is, how is that gone? How, how does that feel in comparison to before where it was just, Hey, I have to limit this and I, I kind of have to avoid a certain amount of things. Yeah, I mean, so for the first time in a long time, I'm actually training for an entire cycling season, which is, uh, you know, uh, I'll be doing five events this season. Um, when I first came to you, uh, my hip was so tight that um, I couldn't get in the drops, which uh, means getting into the lower position on a, a bicycle, which is pretty much essential if you're going to be doing anything competitive uh, to, to break um, wind. 
Uh, and, you know, fast forward to now, I mean, I'm completely comfortable on the bike in all positions. And uh, performance-wise, I've been doing this um, uh, online training, and I, my uh, functional threshold power has has increased 40 watts uh, since, I, since I started the online training uh, right. four months ago. So that's a huge, huge change um, from a perspective of performance. Uh, you know, I'm 54. I'm going to start losing VO2 max relatively soon. And so b- having the full body movement and being able to be in position on a bike and not be in pain, um, I mean, it's not only just limits your performance, it's a cognitive load too. So it, it limits your performance from a, it uses energy. So uh, on a bike, it's important to conserve as much energy as possible. So it's well, been a game changer. You're super active too. And like with, with riding to work, <clears throat> I think that, you know, I, I, let's take the competitive element aside and the fact that you're still training, which is, which is awesome. You know, we have this idea that if you have a body, you're an athlete. So no matter what you want to do, whether it's, you know, just getting around the world requires a certain amount of physical capacity. You should treat yourself as if you are training for life in, in our, our opinion. Um, and I, I think that you do a really good job of just day to day chipping away at the right things. So number one, it, it sounds like for you, movement's a big part of your week. And for you, yeah, you like riding your bike, but let's, let's talk about riding a bike to work. Like, I, I think a lot of people could probably do that. Uh, but tell us, like, how, what was the lead up to that? And at this point, it sounds like that's pretty much your primary mode of getting to work unless the weather is terrible. But I, I've seen you in a rain suit, so I know you ride in the rain too. I, I, I've witnessed it firsthand. Yeah, so my story is interesting um, from a bike perspective. I started in, um, in college riding a mountain bike in the mid-80s when they first came out. And then, you know, life got in the way. I got married. I got kids. Uh, I was uh, inactive. Uh, I was a smoker, um, and I gained, uh, I, I was probably up to uh, 15 to 20 pounds. And when my daughter was born in 2000, I had, I tried to quit smoking many, many times. And I, the day she was born, I signed up for uh, a century, which is a hundred mile bike ride. And, uh, you know, I, and I used that away as a way to quit smoking. And it worked. Uh, so I, I did the training. I, I rode 100 miles. And then I realized that, wow, I can integrate this into my daily life just by riding my bike to work. Yeah. Um, and in Atlanta, it's it's not always the easiest thing to do. Um, but I will say that it's possible. It just requires some attention to detail. You have to figure out, like, you know, where, how can you get to work in a way that is going to do a couple of things, reduce conflict with cars, and reduce um, uh, when you do have cars next to you, how fast they're going. Mm. And so that basically means looking for, obviously choosing multi-use paths if you can. Um, If you can't choose multi-use paths, looking for low traffic, low speed streets um, um, to get to your destination. So, and that's pretty easy to do if you live in in town Atlanta. You know, it takes some thinking, you can't think like you do as a driver, you have to think differently. And so uh, my particular commute is uh, a 10 mile one way commute. So it's a total of 20 miles or actually it's 22 miles. And 90% of it is on roads like that. So um, yeah, I've been riding a long time. And when I get on roads that aren't like that, 
um, I typically take the sidewalk uh, to to sort of make that final connection. But um, and there are other ways to do it too. I mean, uh, you know, you can take a bike to the Marta station uh, and then ride Marta to work. Um, I've done that before too. So it, I, I do it a lot of different ways, and it depends on how that I feel that day in terms of how much I want to ride and and how I want to get there. But um, it's completely doable. Yeah, and I, I feel like that just alone, right? Uh, sedentary lifestyle is a huge problem. Um, you know, it's it's it, very few people move as much during the day as they probably should. And just the element of everybody has to get to work for the most part. Uh, most of us sit uh, as we get there. And, you know, yeah, it takes you a little bit longer and you got to go the long way. Uh, to avoid some some of the main roads you don't want to be riding a bike on, but just that right there, if you do that a couple of days a week, you know you're accumulating twenty to fifty miles uh, a week. If you're depending on how many days you're you're riding each week, every week that you're going to work over the course of a year, I think this is where people uh, start to realize just how important the compounding effect of that. Just just as let's say it was like a financial investment that, that, that compounding effect of you doing that every single day. Have you ever calculated how many miles you ride in a, a year when you're going to work? Oh yeah, I do. Um, actually could probably look it up, uh, but it's, uh, I'd say it's close to 2000 miles a year. Wow. Um, uh, it's probably, probably good to, uh, on average two and a half hours, at least a week. Um, you know, it, when I, yeah, so it's it, I easily get the U.S. recommended um, levels of physical activity just by biking to work. Just getting to work. I think that's awesome. And this is where I, uh, you know, one of the reasons I want to talk to you, I think you do a good job of um, organizing, you know, being healthy. And I, I did not know that you were a smoker or that you weren't even that active up until like, you know, 2000 when your daughter was born. So, you know, I think even to anybody listening to this, where they're, maybe they're like, I can't ride to work. It's like, well, I didn't exactly do that either uh, initially. And now you're putting 2,000 miles a year just riding to work, not including the other time that you're putting in training or competing. And I think that these, these habits that we consider keystone habits, for you, cycling seems to be a keystone habit, meaning you do things are in your life so that you can continue to ride your bike, right? So um, what have you found in terms of, you know, with that habit, let's, let's move the conversation to nutrition a little bit. And, and, uh, first of all, have you found that on days or, or times when you're training for something and you're more serious about your training, do you make better food decisions because of that? Yeah, I mean, I that's absolutely true. I mean, I, the more you train, um, I, I think your body actually craves healthier food. Uh, it is, you know, I had a, um, you know, I mean, we're all, we're all, we all have our genetic predispositions and I, I have a genetic predisposition to high cholesterol. Um, and while my, my blood pressure is great, you know, and my weight is good, um, you know, I still have high cholesterol. So a few years ago, I, I started really looking at my diet closely and say, okay, you know, I was already doing sort of the Michael Pollan thing where you go around the edges of the supermarket and look for mm -hmm. stuff that's not processed, not buy things in boxes and stuff like that. Um, and I think that's a great first start. I mean, if, you, if you're thinking about what kind of food to get, just focus on, you know, the outside of the, uh, uh, the supermarket. Um, but in my case, uh, you know, uh, I also needed to do some other things. And so I, I really worked on reducing, um, 
uh, red meat and, um, I'm primarily a, a, a pescatarian. I eat a lot of fish. Yeah. Um, I'm not, you know, um, ethically opposed to, to meat. Um, but I do eat less of it and I tend to eat whole grains, uh, you know, uh, brown rice and, um, uh, you know, a lot of broccoli, kale, um, uh, you know, just, just stuff that's good for you, you know, and I eat a salad every day for lunch. And, and so that stuff makes you feel better. Yeah. Um, you know, food is medicine and, um, what you put into your body is, is my mind just as important as the physical activity you do to also promote your own health. If you can do those two things, get, you know, daily physical activity and eat right. You're, you're going to, um, you're going to live a long time and you're going to feel good. Yeah. I'm um, doing as well. Yeah. And I think that, you know, what you bring up in particular, s- start with this idea of just, you know, hanging out on the outside of the, uh, of the grocery store, right? Like all the, I mean, where, wherever the cereal is, don't go down that aisle, right? Because all you're going to do, <laughs> you're going to grab a gold box of Frosted Flakes and it's never going to end well for you. Okay. <laughs> and as good as that is, it's, it's such a simple solution to say like, look, just stay on the outside. Don't go through the middle aisles. Um, you know, whatever for the most, for the most part. And I think that's really, really a good way to put it. The other thing I think that's really uh, important to touch on is the fact that you brought up what you have a family predisposition for. This is not apologetics. This isn't a cop out. This is like legitimately people's genetics are different, right? And based on that, they might have to make slight differences in, in what they eat. And, you know, being a pescatarian, it's a little bit harder to be a pescatarian in Atlanta than like when I lived in Hawaii and access to fresh fish or fresh fish is like super easy, but it's still like for you, it's, it it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I think that figuring out your, in your own sort of unique blend of things that works is part of the it's part of the process. Um, and, and I know, I know for you, uh, it seems like training leads to better nutrition, better nutrition probably leads to better sleep, better sleep leads to better recovery, which leads to better training. And it's this, it's this flywheel that can very easily go the wrong direction, you know? Um, and for you at this point, have you noticed on days that you're riding to work, do you notice improvements in sleep that day versus days where you're, you're not? Yeah, I mean, you're, yeah, absolutely. I mean, not only uh, not only in sleep, but uh, stress management and um, productivity at work. I mean, you know, physical activity increases the blood flow in your entire body, including your brain. Yeah. Um, and so uh, all of that helps uh, with, uh, you know, uh, the way you feel, the way you think, and, and the way you sleep. And so, yeah, I think it, my personal journey is be interesting because I did start with physical activity. And I really spent a long time with the biking stuff. And, and that was really kind of all I was doing. Um, I wasn't really focused on my diet or other parts of my life. And I think the thing that has been also helpful in, in the working in working with you guys has been that I've really transformed um, my life since I started with you guys. And it, it wasn't, it was sort of, you know, it was just, you, you take a little thing here and a little thing there. and so. Uh, you know, as an example, a couple of years ago, I was, I was in there and you're like, well, have you tried this meditation app? Um, and fast forward to now I'm meditating 20 minutes a day. Wow. Uh, and it's, it's amazing. I mean, it is amazing in, in dealing with stress and all sorts of other things and, you know, and then, uh, 
last uh, last fall, something popped up on my feet. Oh, well, think about like you know how much are you drinking? You know, think about that. And so I started thinking about it, like, oh, well, that's not so great for training either. Like, it, you know, it's uh, it's it's fun to have beer, but um, yeah. but it's also uh, it's also undermine uh, undermines training too. So yeah. I. Uh, you know, I cut way back on that. And um, so little things here and there. And the other thing I'm working currently on is sleep, you know, really focusing on eight hours a day. You know, I, I think the more research that comes out, the, the stronger the connection between sleep and, and and productivity is. And I don't know if you saw the study in the New York Times recently that was looking at um, people that slept six hours a day over a, a period of, I don't remember exactly how many days. but uh, they had they performed as poorly on whatever standardized measurement they were using in the experiment as people who were being kept up all night, but they didn't know they were performing that poorly. Right. Yeah. Um, we 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 adjust very quickly. Um, there's there's a, a study that I saw years ago that looked at basically uh, they took college students, pretty much the only ones they can do these studies on, where they they put them in a completely dark room. Uh, until they saturate their sleep, until, they, until they've slept to the point where they've woken up at the same time, I think it was three days in a row. So for 12 hours, they're in a dark room. Most of them, they sleep saturate around eight hours. So for a couple of days, they're just sitting there with like, can you imagine three or four hours in a pitch dark room? Like, and then finally they take you out and they start testing you, your cognitive baseline, your, your recall, your, your, your memory. And, um, and then what they did is it took part of these uh, individuals and they started stripping away a little bit of time. So maybe it was an hour, maybe it was two hours. Some of them, they left the same and they just used them as control. And what they found was even after, I believe it was two days of them taking away an hour of sleep, they saw decreases in their cognitive baseline. Now, once they did this for three days straight though, the people that they were testing swore they were doing better. Why? It's because we are good at adapting to our situation. It doesn't mean that we're working at our optimal output. It just means that we've adjusted to it. So to your point, alcohol, right? I drink very little at this point. Not that I have a problem with alcohol or people are using alcohol. I just know when I have taken it out and I add it back in, I feel terrible. And, and, and I've had friends tell me like, oh, you got to build your callus back up. I'm like, I don't think I need to. I, <laughs> I, I think my body's telling me that this is a poison and I'm drinking it <laughs> so I can hang out with you guys. And I feel bad the next day. Like I don't sleep as well. So it's funny you bring that up because I think for a lot of people, they don't know just how crappy they feel because they're so used to it. I don't know if you felt that way, but I definitely did whenever I started taking yeah. certain things out. No, that's absolutely true. I mean, I, you know, I, it's interesting because over the holidays, it's always more drinking than, than uh, other times of the year. And uh, I went into the holidays just going, wow, like, you know, you cut that completely out of your, and you're all of a sudden, you, you're thinking better, you're, you're feeling better. And then the holidays, I'm like, oh, this feels like crap, man. I don't like this. Um, so, and I some, and I like beer. So that's that's my problem. I like the taste, the way beer tastes. So uh, I, I stumbled across this uh, company called Athletic Brewing, uh, and it just popped up on my feed. Facebook really knows me very well. So um, they're listening to us right now, Ken. That Athletic uh, Brewing is going to have an ad in your feed as soon as we're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they're good. You know, I ordered some of it and it's, uh, it, it actually tastes like real beer. So, uh, oh, cool. uh, and it's, uh, 
you know, it's 50 calories and it's, it's just no, you know, very little alcohol. So that's kind of how I've tried to sort of, you know, if I'm going to be with friends or whatever, and there's going to be beer drinking, um, that's one of my coping mechanisms is to try to go to something that tastes yeah. like beer, but. You know. Well, you know, it, it's a social uh, thing as well. I was talking to my brother-in-law about this and um, he, he completely stopped drinking. Uh, I think two years ago, like just, I, he just all of a sudden decided I'm done. Um, stop, stop drinking. And before that, I mean, he, he drank quite a bit and to the, it's, it's gotten to a point where, you know, I mean, some of his friends that he would hang out with, they don't like, they're not inviting him to do things, um, at this point that would involve, you know, hanging out and drinking. And, but, but to Brandon, it's kind of a trade-off, right? It's, it's what, you know, what, what are his, are his priorities? And for him, you know, as I started having um, kids, uh, that really was a priority. And it was really how engaged, how aware, how present, you know, was he with them? Uh, and he just felt better when he wasn't, uh, wasn't drinking. I think for a lot of people, for you, I mean, that's your daughter's reason why you stopped smoking. Like yep. ki- kids can, can drive a lot of that. And, you know, you have three of them. I, I, you have one more than me, so you, you win. And when we look at that, like three, that's a lot. Like you, your, your kids are older, but you still have some that are at the house. Uh, how, how do you manage family time with hobbies that you like, personal time? Like how, how do you structure that? I think for a lot of us that do have families, we feel like if we put some time towards ourselves, we're like taking it away from our family. And I think it's the wrong way to, to really view it. Well, it's hard. I mean, I, you know, I, I think that is the big challenge in, 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 um, in all of this is, is trying to fit it all in, you know? Um, uh, but you know, uh, I, I think one of the things I, I have had to sort of give up and to, and to fit everything on, you know, be there for the family, be present is I give up a lot of screen time, um, when I'm doing everything well, uh, you know, and, and, when you start thinking about how much time you spend on screens, whether it's the TV, whether it's your phone, it's a lot of time. And so, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I find myself sometimes going like, um, wow, I'm wasting time here. You know, I could be in, you know, doing some mobility stuff. And um, so that's part of it. But in terms of, uh, you know, balancing the other thing, you know, that's why I ended up riding my bike to work. I mean, it was a way to get an hour of physical activity in a day that was free, yeah. you know, uh, you know, because I, my, 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 um, car commute was going to be 40 minutes. Uh, my bike commute was an hour. So, um, you know, I'm getting 40 minutes of free activity. I'm only paying 20 minutes for it. So, yeah. uh, that's one of, you know, I, I would say that's what I try to do, you know, and, uh, if my kid was at practice, you know, I'd go for a run during practice. I didn't hang out in the car on my phone. I mean, I tried to do things that, you know, he's out there, you know, running around for an hour and a half. I should be trying to do something. Um, so it ta- I think it takes a lot of planning to integrate it all. Um, and routines. Uh, uh, one of the other routines I've really changed this year has been Really getting up earlier, uh, trying to get up at 530, uh, get the meditation out of the way, try to get, you know, at least a couple of days a week, get some of the the, um, the functional fitness out of the way. So so that gets done between 530 and 7 um, and allows me to get that stuff done. And, and what I don't do is I don't 
you know, not staying up till 1030 at night um, or wasting an hour watching TV on doing binging. Um, so I do miss out on the binging to some degree, um, but uh, at least when it comes to the TV. But I feel you know, like. You gotta, I feel like you got to earn the right to do that. You know what I mean? Like the, that's the way that I look at it. Like if you, if you're busy and you're active all day and that's what you do to kind of calm down before you, before you go to bed, cool. You earned it. Right. But if you, if you've been sitting all day, whether it's in your car or at work or whatever, and, and you haven't, if you haven't earned, earned the right to be lazy, like you, you just, you shouldn't do it because that's all you've done all day. And it's so hard to dig yourself out of that hole to really look at the data on uh, sedentary lifestyle is one of the more dangerous things that, that you could do for over a long period of time. And we're not designed to do it. You know, we're not, we didn't come out of the womb in a little chair with a phone in front of us. It's, it's just not, it's just not how it works, but yet we're there all the time. Our body adapts both from a metabolic standpoint, but also from a mobility standpoint and, and getting out of those, those bad positions is tough. So I, I think to your point, organization and planning uh, is something that a little bit of that, like, hey, this is what my week looks like. This is when I, this, oh, I'm busy today. I'm probably not going to be able to do this, this, and this. So yeah, I'll ride my bike today, but that's probably all I'm going to get in. Or my son has soccer practice. And, and I've actually seen parents um, at practices, at my, at my son goes like swim practice. And I see a parent, uh, I would like, there's like a little gym at the uh, Glenwood Park um, pool, uh, the the one um, right, right by 20. Um, yeah. And so we're members of that pool. So I can go in the little gym area and work out while, while he's swimming. And there's a parent that I see, and all she does is do burpees on the side of the pool. She does like hundreds <laughs> of burpees. I don't know how many damn burpees she does. But I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, good for you, you know, because otherwise we're just going to sit here and watch them swim laps. Like they're being physically active, we're not. So no, that's, that's, that's great advice. Um, here's, here's what I would like to uh, finish up with. There's a couple questions you would like to ask everybody, particularly about Atlanta. And you're, you've been here longer than I have, you probably have some, some great answers for this. So, uh, what's your favorite outdoor activity to do in Atlanta? So before I answer that question, I do want to get to the sedentary behavior piece because it's yeah. huge. Oh, this is sort of your, um, well, some of your wheelhouse, I guess. Yeah. 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 So, you know, in, in, in my uh, professional life, I do uh, uh, physical activity stuff and I understand the science and you know, one of the things that people really don't know, or they, at least I don't think they know is that sedentary behavior is about the worst thing you can do for your health. Right. Um, you know, the, the whole concept of sitting is killing us is absolutely true. And what's worse is that if you're sedentary for eight hours a day and you sit at your desk for eight hours a day, you're going to need um, 300 minutes of physical activity to just overcome the sedentary behavior. Wow. So, you know, federal government rep recommends 150 minutes a week. Um, Five to, hours. To, I just did the math uh, in my head. Yeah, five hours to overcome eight hours of sitting time. Holy crap. So if, you sit, if you sit for 40 hours a week, you're going to have to do five hours of physical activity just to overcome the time you spent sitting. So it is really important to think about trying to just move more during the day when you're at work. And so whether that's just getting up and walking around the house or if you're home teleworking, I, when my watch goes off um, telling me to move, I walk circles around um, – my house and yeah. you know um if i'm at home but if i'm at work i walk around you know i just walk around the um floor so that i think is uh really really um important to note and you know all, the only other thing i will say is there's a ton of benefits to physical activity most people know it's good for them but they don't know how good it is for them so i just you know i really encourage people to 
to Google, um, you know, physical activity, strong and healthy. Uh, CDC's got a bunch of stuff uh, on its website uh, to describe the benefits of physical activity. Um, you know, clearly I'm a, I'm a, uh, uh, advocate for it, but, um, uh, I, I didn't want to leave excited. that question. I'm taking my dog on a run on the, on the belt line in our neighborhood right after this. So in terms of the, so the question was, where do I like to get out in Atlanta? Yeah. So you're, you're out, you know, you ride your bike a lot. So I'm assuming it's probably something to do with that. But, um, you know, I think one thing that people say like, Oh, it's, you know, whatever it's, it's not Denver, you know, we don't have, uh, the Rocky mountains right next to us, but there's lots of outdoor activities to do in Atlanta where you can be, you don't have to be beholden to a gym to get, to get moving in. So what do you like to do outside in Atlanta? I wonder what happened. Um, I like to ride my bike around in town, Atlanta. Uh, Beltline's always great. Uh, I like going, uh, south on the Beltline right now. It hasn't been finished and there's yeah. a, a gravel section between uh, Glenwood Park and West End. If you've got a mountain bike, it's a great, uh, do it now before they pave it because right. uh, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. <laughs> um, I, I like to get out uh, around Atlanta and mountain bike. Um, that's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I enjoy refereeing. I mean, as much as, uh, it's a lot of running, right? It's running. I, it's a 5k pretty much, uh, I think it's about three K's per game, depending on what kind of game I'm working. So wow. if I work three or four games, I'm going to get, you know, a five to 10 K's amount of running out of it. Yeah. Um, That's great. Uh, I, I totally agree with that section of the belt line, by the way, that's that we live right by that. And I, yeah, I, pref I don't know if I would say I prefer it, but it's super unique and it's like trail running in the city. Uh, uh, and you know, it's just a matter of time for, you know, it's it's paved and all the other things that come along with that are, are there but uh yeah i almost i feel like i'm like in the walking dead when i'm out there it's cool yeah no zombies yeah yeah i don't know if i was a woman i would go out there by myself i definitely would uh, have right. uh, go out there with more than one person but uh yeah it's an amazing experience right now it's like i did it when um before the belt line was paved and on the east side yeah and uh you know i'm telling you it's going to be gone soon so yeah so, but, what about, uh, what's your favorite place to eat in the city? Well, that's a really good question. Because I have kids. It's like, uh, I don't really get out. Wherever, they, get, wherever they like to go? <laughs> Chick-fil-A? Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much where they like to go. Um, uh, our, my wife and I go to Scout in Oakhurst. And, and so yeah. that's, our date, that's our date night. Cool. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a great spot. Um, what would you say one healthy habit you've developed over the last year is that you would recommend somebody add into their routine? Um, eight hours a day, sleep. eight hours of sleep a day. Sleep is, uh, I didn't recognize, I mean, I, I do a lot of things, but I would say sleep over the last year, uh, focusing on sleep has been, is sort of the most recent thing that I've really been focused on. And it, and it makes a huge difference. A friend of mine that's a, uh, a sleep physician, uh, he kind of focuses primarily on that. And he once told me, he was like, I don't understand why trying to get people to sleep more is so hard. He's like, it's awesome. It feels good. You feel better. He's like, it would be like me trying to talk people into having sex more. Like, it shouldn't be that hard. And <laughs> it's true. Like, why? It's just crazy how much people fight it. And, uh, you know, it's just so easy now, especially with, you know, an interesting show to watch or a phone or, you know, whatever, a game to play. So um, I 100% I agree with that. Uh, Ken, I just want to say, you know, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for all your hard work you put in over the last few years. It's been fun to be 
and have a small part of like what you're up to now and, and uh, the effort that you put in and we've seen it. So we appreciate it. Um, and I hope everybody else listening to this can take something away from what, what you've learned. Cause I think you have a lot of things. Uh, I think you have a lot of things tied together in a really positive way to where it allows you to be as active as you want, which is hopefully the goal for everybody. Well, thanks so much, Danny. I appreciate you having me on and uh, happy to help in whatever way I can. You got it. Well, guys, that's it. That's the Active Atlanta podcast. Until next time, we'll catch you soon. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Athletes Potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.